I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzola here with Sam Monson. What are you laughing at, man? Whatever that sentence you were saying was about to become. Skip started Bayless. with Skip Bayless. He I was, was uh, intrigued. I, I got a message from a friend today. Skip Bayless was uh, dropped my name on whatever show they're on, and yeah. arguing with our friend Shannon. Nick Wright dropped my name yesterday. My, na- my neighbor texted it to me, and then Nick Wright DM me today and said, uh, "Also, I called you out by name on TV yesterday, blaming you personally for PFF having Mahomes with a worse grade than Mac Jones." But I was clearly joking, even though I do blame you. Oh, man. It's too bad Mahomes didn't play better this year. Mm. Production was still there. Well, that's what I told him. I'd tell him we'd, we'd grade Mahomes better the second he stops pitching the ball to cornerbacks. Yes, exactly. And getting away with it right now. Mm. It's, uh, well, welcome into the show. We're live on YouTube. It's yep. our midweek show. It's uh, a little more freestyle here. We just ramble about. <laughs> more freestyle. Yeah. It was just, you know, <laughs> we could really relate to the people how, uh, how, how we're getting name dropped in, uh, on TV and all right. that stuff. Very You've relatable. in there. Yeah, hmm. very relatable to the listeners here. Anyway, today we got to talk about all the madness around the NFL, the coaching carousel, the uh, – wait, what did you want to call it? What did we name it? The autopsy. Somebody emailed. Um, somebody emailed us in. You can email us too. NFL podcast, singular, at pff.com. We get all the emails. Google tries to intercept a bunch of them and, like, calls them spam, and then I have to go in and okay them and say, no, this actually is a real email from a human, not a, not a bot. <laughs> that was a good one. That being said, there have been some bot emails in there as well, so I appreciate Google's uh, hustle. But somebody emailed us and said that, you know, a few years ago we did autopsies on like, the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And they liked that, and they wanted us to do it again. Uh, I think we could do it certainly this week on the coaching. All seven? Yeah, the guys that got fired. Oh, the guys that got fired. It's the really autopsies, six. what went wrong, cause of death, that kind of thing. All right. Okay, we can do a quick a quick run through. I can't wait for my fixing every team in five minutes. Our, our show, F- fixing every team in five minutes. Yeah, that series was outstanding last year. Uh-huh. What was our average time wise for the twenty five to thirty per team? Yeah, yeah. The goal was five minutes, and in the first show we screwed it up. And, yeah, and we turned one show into you know eight shows, four shows, whatever it was, and uh, that's going to happen at some point again. So. Uh, What's going on? I'm not going to stop the show just because you're coming in. This, we're professionals here. I can ignore this. I can ignore it, Tyler. I can ignore it. Mm. Anyway, let's get into uh, – you want to start with the autopsies? It'll uh, be – because some of them will – I want to talk coaching, and there's front office overhauls too because Joe Judge was just fired for the New York Giants. They're getting a full overhaul. Minnesota Vikings getting a full overhaul. Chicago Bears getting the full yeah, overhaul. Yeah, Dave Gettleman did the uh, – oh, you, you're going to fire me? Sorry, I retire. Yeah, I'm walking off. Smart. Can't fire me. I quit. That's what Renner should have um, done a couple of years ago to, when he got fired. <laughs> so we got uh, back though. Yeah, we can do that. What we already said, you know, email us in whatever you got. One one guy 
sent us an email that I want to bring up up top just because it's quick and we can answer it. There have been we were trying to understand the ginger theory and how it how it applied to week 18. Right. Yeah. Where did it go? Where did all the ginger talent go for the people unfamiliar for new listeners? Somebody sent us a theory a while ago that there is only so much ginger talent in the NFL and it tends to be stolen by one person to the exclusion of everybody else playing well. So, you know, 2015 Carson Palmer could only happen because all of the other gingers at the time were terrible. Uh, That kind of thing. So this year, it's like, well, okay, week 18, where did it go? Carson Wentz was disastrous. Andy Dalton played, but he didn't play well. Uh, Sam Darnold, same thing, right? He didn't play well. So where, who who had it? Um, We thought, you know, maybe could it be Joe Burrow? But it turns out Burrow might not actually be ginger. He's just the gingerest looking non-ginger in the world. Um, Plus, he didn't play. So even if he was hoarding it, it wouldn't have really explained it. So uh, an email from Jay Wiley. I don't think I have his first name. But Jay Wiley says, points out, Max Crosby is a ginger. Does he count or is it just quarterbacks? Max Crosby would explain the whole thing because he's been on a tear all season long. Yeah. So he's... He's stealing it all from Yeah, so from that explains why Darnold, Dalton, and Wentz haven't been particularly good this year. What was the final tally on his pressures? Because especially this weekend. Well, well, it's just this weekend. 11, I think, he got this weekend. Uh, we got 10 pressures okay. in a 90 pass rush grade. So, yeah, he ended up with 101. I'm sorry, no, 11, you're right, 11 pressures. Premium stats throwing me off because I was looking just at true pass sets. Which is only uh, the third time that somebody has topped 100 pressures in a season. Okay, it happened in week 18, so Steve doesn't count it. But for the rest of us, (laughs) um, 100-plus pressures in the season has happened, I think, three times before. And it's been Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. So to put yourself on a list that involves those two and only those two, and now you, um, even with an extra game, is pretty impressive. Are you saying, would you, is Max Crosby having a better season than, say, uh, T.J. Watt? I didn't say that, though he is on the first team All-Pro and T.J. Watt isn't. So We should say something nice about T.J. Watt just to balance things out. He's been great. He's awesome. Great yeah. player. All three of those guys were incredible this season. Only two of them can make the first team All-Pro. One has to miss out. And right. just because one guy had the sack, tied the sack record, doesn't mean that should get him there automatically. It's extra feisty for us right now with uh, Steeler Nation. Extra feisty lately. Yeah, yeah, they're not happy. They are not happy at all. Out here, I swear, people. I swear, we, that's that's messed up, man. Yeah, it's pretty. I'm bad. ready for the next one. I opened up my. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I opened up my DMs to try to give away. Remember, we gave away a bunch of elite yeah. subscriptions at the end of the year. I had to open my DMs so that I could do that. Mm-hmm. I opened up a whole new world yeah. of uh, humanity that I didn't even know exist. Mm-hmm. And today I received a um, a notebook, a ripped notebook sheet of paper with uh, stats on it, calling us out hmm. for our takes with, some, with a stat breakdown. Some great stuff in my DM. I'm closing my DMs very, very soon. All right, before we get into these autopsies, do you want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast? Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? Absolutely. Would you, you want to need to know on your financial future? Western and Southern's teaming up with PFF's Chris Collinsworth to share insights that will help you put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. This is why it's worth doing. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500. Coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on February 13th, 2022. Don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. So you can submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, it's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. 
If you're watching on YouTube, YouTube, check out the link. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. I suggest you check that out because I would love to have a $2,500 feast mm. on, the, uh, on Super Sunday. Am I allowed to say that? Is that blocked off too? I don't know. It's a Sunday of Super, February 13th. That's the day. They can't have trademarked Super Sunday. Aside from anything else, Sky uses that the for NFL, like... The NFL's trademarked everything, like okay. the buffers. All right, who's been fired? Let's talk. Do you want to start with the Giants? What went sure. wrong with the Giants? Dave Gettleman, retired. Mm-hmm. The keyboard, famous keyboard thing. And, uh, Taking his ring binders with him. Yep, and uh, Joe Judge is out. I, I'm a, I love a good ring binder, by the way. Joe Judge is out. What went wrong in two years with the Giants? Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman. Well, nothing got better. That yeah. was... That's a pretty big problem. Um, Should we just... I mean, the offensive line was the biggest thing. Yes. Right? Like, there, there were other moves that, on paper, seemed like they got better. I think their roster looked better this offseason. Didn't show up on the field, but the offensive well, that's line remained That's the problem, right? The moves that made... There were, like... There were steps in the right direction. It's just that they were immediately followed by more steps in the wrong direction. They were the classic one step forward, two steps back kind of deal. Oh, you look, your feisty defense? No. Evaporated. Um, oh, offensive line, take, you know, Andrew Thomas takes a step forward, everybody else falls to pieces. Like, every time something got slightly better, everything else got worse, and the net was a massive loss. Uh, so, yeah, like, I'm not saying nothing ever got better for any period of time or in any denomination, but overall, there's no area where you can look at and say, all right, at the end of Joe Judge's tenure, this is a better situation than it was at the start of his tenure. From a Gettleman standpoint retired or not you would have to say the daniel jones selection i mean that's the guy that he tied his future to and we didn't get a definitive answer whether it's because they didn't put him in the right position to succeed or not but we didn't get a definitive answer that daniel jones is the guy yeah we've gone like we flipped right when they drafted daniel jones it was like number six overall for a guy that's probably a high-end second round talent at best feels rich that's ballsy you know you're putting yourself on the line there and if it works out great if it doesn't you're probably fired uh and all of a sudden now we're a couple years later and everyone else is like oh daniel jones stinks you're like well i mean does he like he's not been that bad behind you in a in a really terrible situation and all of a sudden you take him out of the lineup you put in mike glennon and you know jake Fromm, and had brian lewerke sitting there ready to take snaps and it's a hell of a lot worse so you definitely can't look at um daniel jones's tenure and say yeah they nailed it perfect pick franchise quarterback we're moving forward but equally i don't think you can just say that guy's terrible like he has played better i think than the situation should have allowed all that said, we'll, we'll spend plenty of time this offseason figuring out what the Giants should do. And I am just, right now, I'm not in the boat that, okay, we need to tie ourselves to Daniel Jones, right? I mean, what you just described is somewhat easy to find around the NFL. It, call him a starting caliber quarterback. He's probably a tier four quarterback, a low-end starter. There are plenty of low-end starters to go around. Let me ask you this. Is Daniel Jones better than Marcus Mariota? I'm going to use Mariota as, as a consistent baseline i think this entire offseason is teddy bridgewater is daniel jones is sam darnold going into last year are these guys better than marcus Mariota? Mm, probably i would certainly take the shot like oh, i would I if you so. were so i was somebody was sort of mentioning all right let's assume the giants do want to get rid of daniel jones now 
what are his options? Like, who are the suitors for Daniel Jones? And one team that came up as a team that might be in, intrigued by him was Pittsburgh, right? The post-Ben Roethlisberger era, they're clearly not going to hand the keys to Mason Rudolph going forward. Um, it's unlikely to be Haskins either, based off zero evidence to suggest it should be. They could be a team interested in a guy like Daniel Jones. If you're Pittsburgh and your options are Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones, I'd take Jones. The intriguing thing about Pittsburgh is, um, well, let's say something nice about the Steelers, I think. Uh, they made the playoffs each of the last two years with not just subpar quarterback play, with this year, horrible quarterback play. Now, yeah, Big Ben, a couple times a year, you know, game will make some great throws and this and that, right? I mean, seems to be at the right time and all that. But they've made the playoffs and found a way despite Big Ben. And would Daniel Jones be an upgrade? Almost certainly, sure. So maybe... You know, I could I could see that, but if I'm taking over the Giants, there's no way I'm like, well, we got to do best by Daniel and you know build around him. And yeah, you might have him as a lame duck one in his fourth year, uh, not pick up that fifth year option, let him roll. And I, I just don't think it's difficult to find a Daniel Jones caliber quarterback in today's NFL. No, they're they're in the same they're in a similar situation to the Dolphins with Tua, which is. I think he's shown enough to suggest that in a better situation, he might actually be a pretty good player. But equally, he hasn't shown enough that if you're a team looking to make radical changes, you are prevented from doing so by that guy being there, right? Like if Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones should not be preventing you making a move like, oh, if you can get a Russell Wilson, yes. hell yeah. If you stumble into an elite quarterback or a guy that you love in the draft, absolutely. Like there's no move that you can make that you think will acquire you a franchise quarterback that should be blocked by having Daniel Jones there. But if that was like the end of his Giants career, if they stumble into a Russell Wilson or they made a move for a guy in a draft and Jones gets like stuck on the bench or kicked to the curb and cut and somebody else picks him up, I think you can realistically make an argument that he's been fairly well screwed there. And, you know, the, last year everybody was bending over backwards to make excuses about Sam Darnold, right? And it was all the Jets, and, you know, as soon as he goes to somewhere else, Carolina with Joe Brady and those receivers, the best situation he ever had, Darnold's going to be fixed. He's going to make you all look dumb, right? I thought that was ridiculous at the time. I think you can make a much better argument in those terms for Daniel Jones than you could for Sam Darnold. Yeah, completely I think agree. he's shown a lot more, and I think you can very firmly point to things that went to hell around him and his play was affected because of it. If you were like, you know, Sam Darnold or if uh, Daniel Jones ends up getting dumped, goes to somewhere that actually looks like a pretty good situation on paper, I think you can absolutely make the argument that people were trying to make for Darnold last year. Yeah, I completely agree with that. The uh, On the good side for the Giants, they've got two top 10 picks. On the bad side, fourth lowest uh, effective cap space as of right now per over the cap. Um, so I think it's an intriguing job. I do think they added more talent last offseason than what we saw on the field. You know, adding, you know, having a Dory Jackson plus James Bradbury at corner. Uh, Kadarius Toney looked like a future star when he was healthy and out there. And I know they didn't get much out of Kenny Galladay, but he's got a better track record than he showed. In the world of what went wrong here, Joe Judge speaking has to be a big part of that, right? Every time he spoke, and this seems to be a consistent theme the more we talk here, Sam, but this is the way you described Matt Nagy. This is uh, starting to see it around the league. The more you hear from coaches, sometimes it's, uh, I don't know, alarming. And Joe Judge had some alarming things to say down the stretch. Did you see the Matt Rule quote about why they picked up Sam Darnold's fifth-year option? 
Yeah, they thought he'd be worth that, maybe. They thought it'd be cheap if he was good. Now, yeah, it, that's what it kind of boiled down to, but it was said in a way that sounded way worse than that. Yeah, like, I know. It was sort of... Uh, like, there was a lot of humming and hawing when they first asked the question, then the base key boiled down to, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, I think we overrate press conferences sometimes. Like, Nick Sirianni kind of was nervous at his first press conference. But there's a but difference between the right nerves. Stuff. Like, that's, that's something different, right? There are some people that are not great public speaking or talking in front of people, particularly when they're, like, first doing it. I think there's very different thing between like all right that's the dude's first press conference as a head coach he's never really been put in this situation he's not comfortable in this spot to a guy that's perfectly comfortable and is just spewing bullshit like that's way different that is that's more problematic where you get a guy who's doesn't have any issues with the situation like he's comfortable hands in the pockets looking cool happy talking to these guys and the words coming out of his mouth are just ridiculous that i think is an issue matt Nagy, every time he opened his mouth said something not just silly but like how like this is making the situation worse every time you speak how can you not see that coming the the matt rule thing again like how do you how do you not have an answer for why you did that like you know how the situation has gone you've seen the season unfold it's just a matter of time before somebody asks surely you have a prepared answer of like that at least, you know, it might be crap, but, it, you know, there's you've seen, you've, you've thought about it, and you've constructed, like, this is the party line. To just sort of go, uh, I don't know, just, it's bad. It, Joe Judge's problem seemed to me to be, people are going to ask me questions, they're trying to get to something, I don't really want to answer it, I don't want to deal with it. So if I just talk for long enough. <laughs> I just keep talking. They'll go away. Like, they'll get bored. They'll stop listening. They'll leave. And then th- I won't have to answer the question. If I just keep going for long enough, they will forget what they asked in the first place. They'll, you know, you know you've been to press conferences. Like, they're boring. You just sort of, you stop paying attention. You yawn. You, dis- you stop. You're not there anymore, right? The problem is, particularly in New York, this is all on record. It's being filmed. People are dictating, like they're taking it down. It gets transcribed. People record the words you're saying, and you can't just use them to like distract people from the question that they asked in the first place. Because even if you were able to just like filibuster away, right? Like I'm going to read you whatever for the next 10 minutes and you'll forget what you asked me in the first place. Even if you were able to get away with that, they're taking it down in snippets and they're like, they will just chop out a sentence from your filibuster and throw that out there as your answer and you'll look like an idiot. Yeah. So that's not the way to go. And you're not just getting questions about your, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions. No, or anything not like, like Bill. that. Uh, bottom line with Joe Judge, I mean, I know he's coached special teams, he's coached offense and all that stuff. No, nothing got, nothing that he coached became special special right? teams was bad yeah and, and and if you're a former special teams coach like a john harbaugh what are you going to bring to the table well you're going to bring overall leadership and direction and decision making or whatever it might be so we didn't see anything there the defense did show side you know they were pretty good under patrick graham at times but um nothing really got better is he also has that he also brought that idea of like if you're going to be the hard ass old school type of head coach you need results. Like, you can't get away with that. You need buy-in for to, the idea of, like, oh, people are going to run laps as punishment, right? That is a, like, that's a high school-level dinosaur type of mentality that might still function, but only if people buy in, right? 
it certainly is not going to function if everybody thinks it's crap and if you're losing games, right? How, how much of that was legitimate fake news, though? There was, I know there was some, some of it was real, but there was a pretty good fake Twitter account out there right. making up giant stories. And I don't know how much, of, how much people ran with these fake stories like Kelvin Benjamin stealing food from the cafeteria and but stuff even, like that. But even that speaks to, to, like, to the attitude people had on him. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like if you're going to be Joe Judge, you can start like telling people to run laps as punishment. It's, it's, it's reached the point where it's its own punchline. People are going to make fun of it because it's ridiculous. So if you're going to do that, you need to have immediate success so that people buy in and people go, okay, yeah, like this is, this is kind of old school. This is a weird way of doing it. We're not used to this. On the other hand, it's clearly having an obvious impact. So let's run with it. Like too much, that I think is where a lot of these Bill Belichick disciples go wrong is that there's too much like, Bill disciplinarian built in there without the credibility in the bank. Like you're not going to buy it from Joe Judge or Matt Patricia or whoever. You buy it from Bill Belichick because the dude's been winning for decades. Speaking of buy-in, how about having clean and shiny balls all year round here in 2022? Hmm. A little New Year's resolution. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022, the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and go do it. 20% off using the promo code PFF. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders in male grooming. This year, take your grooming to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and the brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. That needs no introduction. It solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but it's in the shower. This body wash smells great, too. It's cologne-infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. You said we don't want to bring all the people together and no New Year's resolutions ourselves. Like, it's, everybody's on their own here. You can have whatever New Year's resolution you want. I'm just saying don't turn manscaping into a group activity. It's not a group activity. But as a, you know, our podcast listeners, hey, we're suggesting... You uh, go ahead and uh, and do that and take advantage of this offer. Get in on it together, but separately. <laughs> to complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Mm. I feel like this read gets better and better as it goes. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscapes.com for this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping. It's the code. The code is a PFF. It's at manscapes.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com. Use the code PFF. It's New Year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. Another overhaul in the NFC North. We talked about this. Broke this news on the, uh, on the big show on Monday, the review show. Uh, Bears complete overhaul as well as the Minnesota Vikings. How about the Bears with Justin Fields? I'm intrigued here. It sounds like uh, our guy Brad Spielberg are very plugged in to the Bears. Uh, says they're close as far as their general manager goes. Let me ask you this uh, philosophically. Would you go GM first or coach first? Just like in abstract terms? In abstract terms, are you getting a GM who's going to approve your coach, or would you hire a coach that would approve your GM? I don't see the purpose in having a GM if he's not, if the coach doesn't report into him. Yeah, because there, but there are a lot of so Seattle. It's like fifty-fifty. It's an even split between Pete Carroll and John Schneider there. Yeah, but 
but is that just it, they earned that over time? Right. You know, how do you get to that point? Because Pete Carroll, he had not really had a ton of NFL. He, he had had NFL success. He had had two NFL head coaching jobs. Success at USC kind of earned his ability to be on the level with the GM. That's just one example. Yeah, and I think they've sort of evolved into that working relationship. I'm not sure that would work as you would need a weirdly hands-on owner who knows what he's doing, I think, to be able to handle, like, two guys that are separate but equal and nobody sitting above them. You know what I mean? Like, if you you hire a guy, if you say, right, we're going to hire, we have a vacancy for both, now we're going to go get a head coach, we're going to go get a GM, we're not going to have that, we're not going to do it in concert it's not going to be connected we're just going to hire what we think is the best guy for each role we don't care if they work together they're going to have 50 50 responsibility which means i'm going to need to be the the adjudicator like every time they disagree it's going to have to come to me and i break the tie there's not that many owners that a should have that responsibility and b i would imagine want that responsibility like those guys those guys all own an NFL team because it's like the biggest tax break in the world, right? They don't want any part of this crap unless you're Jerry Jones and you're in it for like... Some fan- of them do. Right. Unless you're Jerry Jones and you're in it for like real life fantasy football, you don't give a crap, right? So you want no part of like of tie-breaking every bickering argument that happens between the coach and the GM. So one of them has to run, run the show and it's, it makes sense to be the GM. Yeah. One of the things, uh, the more... I've uh, behind the scenes been working with folks that are, you know, in the front office or have been in front offices or whatever it is. It is the, the structure to the owner is is just huge. It's massive. And I think we can lump the Miami situation with Brian Flores out here. We could kind of discuss all of this stuff. Flores gets fired after supposedly, I mean, what looked like on the surface, two pretty good seasons, right? Two winning seasons in Miami. They were, they were in full rebuild mode. We spent our entire year of the 2019 talking about Miami tanking and uh, Miami being in this, you know, they've got a million draft picks. It's just complete rebuilds there. And it kind of happened quickly, right? They were on the verge of the playoffs, back-to-back seasons, doing great against New England. Brian Flores, the first maybe Belichick disciple to have that level of success, uh, except maybe Bill O'Brien. You know, those are maybe the two guys that have had that level of success. And Flores gets fired. But a lot of it was because of structure and people not get him and Chris Greer apparently not getting along, the general manager. So that the stuff that we don't see is obviously crucial. Every, I assume most of our listeners work and have some sort of boss and structure and all that stuff. I mean, you know how much on a day-to-day basis communication matters, who you work with, how they work with you, how they deal with people and all that stuff. A lot of the stuff we don't see is a big part of this. But like bottom line, I think the general manager should have a hand in the coach. But that structure needs to be laid out early. What does the communication look like? Who has the final say? And we've heard a ton of stuff with, like, general manager not even having the final say on who the, the 53 players on the roster are, the bottom part of the roster, whatever it might be. And that makes it really difficult to move forward as a franchise when you have that kind of disconnect. So let's do the Dolphins autopsy then. Brian Flores, gone. So Flores did a good job. I mean, my, I made the joke yesterday as Schefter was like, hey, he's going to be a hot commodity. I'm like, well, Miami could be a place, right? They need a coach. But clearly it just wasn't the right fit, right? Flores, I think, will be a fit somewhere because he did a good job with their defense. Uh, he, was, he was excellent when Matt Patricia left New England and Flores took over the defense. They didn't miss a beat. In fact, they got better. And people were saying, hey, maybe it was Flores that was really the, mm. the driver here. Um, and then he went to Miami and kind of did it again and did a nice job. So I think 
I think Flores will be coveted, but clearly the, it just did not mesh in Miami. Yeah, and, and it is interesting, like all those kind of behind-the-scenes things about Flores and whether there's um, whether there's tension between him and not just Greer at GM, but offensive coaches and those kinds of things. Because he's a guy who, because he's got that defensive background and that's his specialty and that's where he's going to be, he needs to have a strong smart offensive mind balancing that out right and he needs to they need to be able to work together and, and function in concert and all those kinds of things so that might be the his biggest obstacle right now is can he hitch himself to that guy like the way uh, sean mcveigh kind of said when you hire me it's me and it's wade phillips right so if you have any concerns about my lack of defensive background or the fact that I'm 12 years old, <laughs> I come with this grizzled old veteran who's been doing it for the last 50 years. You're good. You're fine. And I imagine that smoothed a lot of weight, a lot of paths for him. And it didn't even need to be a long-term thing, right? Wade Phillips lasted a little bit and then bye-bye. We'll get somebody else in. And now we can cook. Because um, at that point, it's just the credibility, right? They just need to get in the door and then you're away. Maybe that's what Brian Flores needs for that second gig is to just attach himself to an offensive mind so that in the interview he's like you're not just bringing me in you're bringing me this offensive guy we have a package together it's going to be great it's going to it's going to bring this team where it needs to go and then you know maybe Flores can get rid of him after a couple of years and do whatever he wants anyway so and then when you when you talk that out Sam maybe maybe Flores shouldn't be coveted you know what I mean like he maybe he just did a good job on the on the defensive side of the ball and that was it because again the head coaching job is it's being a ceo it's being able to manage all those pieces manage all those parts i do think we always talk about do you hire an offensive guy a defensive guy the tricky part about being a defensive guy is if you hire the right offensive person he'll be coveted he'll be gone soon how do you keep the revolving door of offensive coordinators assuming you do well with it how do you keep that strong Whereas if you're not like Sean McVay is always the offensive guy, right? He'll at least have this baseline of success. I think with the Rams, his challenge will be finding defensive guys, but you know, predicting defense is harder overall than predicting offense. So yeah, there's a lot to, to think about there, but clearly the co-offensive coordinator thing in Miami and the structure and all that stuff just was not working out there. And then I have no idea what the power struggle was as far as wanting to trade for Deshaun Watson versus yeah. buying into Tua who wanted to initially who was in on him who was out on him all that stuff behind the scenes is tough to really really know it is yeah um ultimately i think as with all these things you can only really judge them by the results and the results for flores have been pretty good given given where they were given where they've um been in terms of a in terms of talent the results have not been bad and the defense the stuff that he is going to have the most direct control over has been the better part of the team and when you say, you know, all right, autopsy, cause of death, the single worst offensive line in the NFL by a country mile and one of the worst we've ever seen in 15 years worth of doing this, right? And a, a quarterback drafted in the top five and the two guys either side of him, you know, Joe Burrow, number one overall, Justin Herbert, number six, those guys are both superstars. So the one guy you picked, and by you, I mean the Dolphins, not you, Flores. The one guy you, you got... It's not, a, again, Daniel Jones situation. He's not a write-off yet, but he's not what the other two are. Right. So it's already looking bad. Um, the line is abysmal, so you can't even get a fair reflection on where Tua is right now. So just generally that side of things, which obviously is the most important thing in today's NFL, right? How is your quarterback? How is your passing game? 
can you beat everybody else based off that alone? That is nowhere for Miami right now. And for a defensive-minded guy, that is a kind of tough spot to be in. It, so cause of death is also Tua over Herbert, which uh mistake we would have made as well. Yeah. But uh, also a big cause of death if you just picked the other quarterback, which uh, I don't think was clear and obvious at the time. But if you had picked the other quarterback, perhaps, perhaps you're not dead. Just mm. saying. Uh, let me circle back to the Bears here. The, the, I would say the cause of death here for the Bears, this is Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, is just the roster getting worse. I don't know if that's too broad, but I think the roster got worse. And there was a point in Nagy, and then Nagy spoke too much, as you said. Yes. The more you got into his brain. But I do think there was a point where you'd say, man, Matt Nagy dragged Mitchell Trubisky, subpar quarterback play, to the playoffs two out of three years. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. PFF grades are, are the most independent evaluation of quarterbacks. The, the, they have less dependency on other, other stuff than any, any other number or stat. It doesn't mean that they're without dependency. If you do put a better supporting cast around quarterbacks, they will probably have a better chance to grade better. But you'll also see things like Matthew Stafford grading very similar year to year like he did Detroit to the to the Rams and his production numbers all the peripheral numbers getting better right so my my point there is you could say Matt Nagy didn't actually develop Mitchell Trubisky and make him play well because there's like a part of that that Nagy has a say in but the, in 2018 they went they won the division and I don't know if we just always overrate this one season but they won the division was that because of Vic Fangio and that incredible defense that year was it just luck but two out of three years with Mitch Trubisky as the starter, they went to the playoffs. And I don't think that they – I just think they got worse, though. I just think the roster continually got worse since 2018. So to me, it was more of a front office failure than a coaching failure. But clearly, Nagy didn't do enough to overcome that and develop Justin Fields here in year one. I think Nagy got lost. Um, I think he started off very well. And he yeah. brought over that Kansas City offense that was – that was doing well throughout the league at that point, obviously in Kansas City, but then Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, Matt Nagy in Chicago, it was working. A lot of RPOs, they were doing a lot of things that were causing teams some problems. <clears throat> and then the team made that decision that Trubisky was the guy. Again, another decision that we would have screwed up as well, right? That year, Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, we had Trubisky as the top quarterback in that draft. And there's a little bit of revisionist history, I think, with Watson and Mahomes, but there were question marks about both guys, right? Mahomes, all right, all the stuff he's doing is magic and it's insane, but, like, how does he work just in a normal offense? Nobody knows because he just didn't do it at Texas Tech. Um, and we've seen this year, that can go south, right? Uh, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma was the same kind of thing, right? It's like that guy's not playing inside a structure at all. It's amazing. How does that function? And then next year you saw what happened when it didn't – <laughs> the in-structure thing didn't happen and the out-of-structure stuff disappeared. And it's like, well, now you just suck and we're going to bench you and send you somewhere else. He's anyway, gone. and then there were issues with Deshaun Watson's game as well. Anyway, the point is they made that call and Trubisky was bad. And not only was he bad, but then, so then you're in this dilemma as a coach. All right, I have a quarterback that can't run 100%. He's struggling. I need to help him out. What do I do? So you start to modify your offense, right? You start to shape it in a different way and bend it and twist it and you know maneuver it a little bit so that it fits better 
with the quarterback you have that's not playing up to his you try and help him right and I think he ended up what it did is it made the offense worse as well as the quarterbacks and now you have a bad quarterback and the offense isn't doing what it used to which has actually had the opposite effect of the one you wanted it to and then once that ceased to become an issue sort of all right we finally get rid of Trubisky you bring in different quarterbacks now he'd like twisted and bent this offense so much that it was just this mangled husk in his hands and he couldn't piece it back together again you know what I mean I think he just got lost and couldn't find his way back to the path once the reason for him getting lost was gone yeah I I agree with a lot of what you said there as far as Nagy in particular I want to just from a team building effort though not only did you like the Khalil Mack trade I don't think is the Khalil Mack trade a wash so the, if you look at the results of the Khalil Mack trade, it's a wash only from a results standpoint. It's a, it's a wash from the Raiders didn't capitalize on it. Who saves it? Make, who's, if from a results standpoint, who did the Raiders get that saves it being a win for Chicago? So I from don't... From a results standpoint... I think you have, to look at both, you have to look at both sides independently, right? And you could say that both sides lost. To be honest. <laughs> so both sides lost the Khalil Mack trade. Okay. So for the Bears, they as great as Khalil, Khalil Mack is, they did not. I'm gonna die again. Saved it. <clears throat> they did not save the value of like the three to four players that they would have gotten. Right. Khalil Mack did not overcome the value that they gave up. Now the Raiders, with the exact picks that they made in place of Khalil Mack, also just didn't capitalize on it. Like the process is a win for the Raiders. The result is a loss because they, made, they, they didn't pick players that were good. If they had picked three other first-rounders at random, at random, that don't even make sense, uh, you know, they'd probably, they probably win the trade. That's, that's my point here. So the Bears roster got worse because they just they got one elite player and created two, three, four more holes across the roster, and it got worse in 2019, in 20, in 21. So... That's a big part of it, too. Having 18 tight ends in the tight end room at all times was just ridiculous by the Bears. Paying Jimmy Graham and trading up to get Cole Komet in the well, second yeah, round. They made and all some that. mistakes. Some I'm just bad. saying there was a lot of team-building issues with the Bears since 2018 where it was like, hey, there's a promising, there's a promising defense. And they, and they created offense with Trubisky. Maybe there's something with this offensive play caller and this offensive system in Nagy. So um, as far as going forward, I think it'll be interesting because a lot of people around the NFL had Justin Fields as QB5 among all the first-rounders. So who comes in? Like, who comes in? Uh, are they going to even look at people who don't love Justin Fields? There was a lot of people who were torn on him, just like people are torn on probably how much you would want to invest in Mac Jones because he didn't seem special or how much you would want a Trey Lance or whoever. I don't know if enough people are sold on Justin Fields and I think a lot of the concerns that people had about Justin Fields all showed up in his rookie season this year and and the excitement that people had about Justin Fields also showed up so that I don't know if that limits who they could potentially get from a coaching standpoint yeah it's also like who who was in love with Justin Fields within that building right because obviously Nagy Nagy last season which is definitely contributed to I think him getting fired is 
was not in, in love with the idea of Justin Fields starting. Whether or not he liked him as a player or a prospect or a guy that could be the quarterback going forward, he did not want him on the field in year one. Went out of his way to try and prevent that happening. And then when it did happen, when his hand was forced, and it's like, oh, we got to play Fields now, didn't do a whole lot to help him out, right? Like, I think some of it was overblown in terms of, oh, look at these ridiculous things they're asking him to do. They didn't roll him out 20 straight times. Yeah, but... <laughs> Like, later in the year, it's like, you're not, where is the creativity here? There's almost nothing happening in this offense that plays to what Justin Fields does well. There's a whole bunch of stuff where you're just asking him to run the offense and then hoping his athleticism will get you out of any problems that are there, some of which are his own making. But, like, again, like, what are we doing to prop this guy up? This is part of why I think Nagy just got lost in the weeds and couldn't find his way back to, like, the proper playbook. Um, But his attitude towards fields i don't think it did him any favors and then um as then as we said before anytime he opened his mouth to talk about anything he made things sound worse and look worse and worse and, and those things were like hey i took over the play calling this week when you scored three yeah or hey i i gave out you know i let someone else call the plays this week when you scored 30 or whatever mm-hmm. you know whatever the breakdown was i'm back to calling plays you just didn't score again don't don't tell everybody or don't like admit immediately it. after you know, like it's, uh, Justin Fields has a great game. And then you come out and you're like, you know, we don't know who the quarterback is next week. Like, yeah. just don't, what you, just don't say that. You know that's going to come up. Stop it. And that's why, you know, in all this hiring process, the most important thing for the Chicago Bears is Justin Fields and his development as of right now. Obviously, putting the supporting cast around him to succeed, but finding someone who's going to develop him and, and play to his skill set. So that's where the Bears need to go here. Before we get into the Vikings, don't Man, forget the NFL. What's your, what's your cause of death for the, the Bears regime? Mine was Matt Nagy getting lost and not being able to find his way back to his own playbook. I just think talent acquisition. So you think the cause of death for the Chicago regime was actually personnel mistakes? Personnel, yes. Wow. Yeah, because remember last year at this time, right after free agency? Hang on. Is that personnel as in, like, if they hadn't, if they'd gotten a good quarterback instead of Trubisky, or if they'd still tr- taken Trubisky, Every, but like everything else? Everything but the quarterback. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think they made. I mean, they missed on the quarterbacks, too, right? They went, they were going, they were doing everything they could to get Russ. They were doing everything they could to get a quarterback. Last year after free agency, let's not forget where we were here. The Bears, when you're just putting their depth chart up against everyone else, it looks terrible. And then they got the you know like the leftovers of free agency they signed Andy Dalton it was the most uninspiring offseason until they made a move to go get Justin Fields in the draft which is fine like that's that's the right play that is great and then then declared that he wouldn't be the starter (laughs) yeah and then however they handled that situation forget Uh, it but the foundation of the Bears roster had gotten worse every single season much like in Seattle just like what what I keep saying about you're essentially saying that like if they if they'd maintained the counter roster that they had before Nagy would still be the coach I think pace would be there I think pace so like again the Khalil Mack trade you could it depends on how you view it they got him and in 2018 they had the best defense in the league they won the division over the Packers right they went to the playoffs you could say it was a win that year everybody's like Khalil Mack trade worth it worth every penny the Raiders have as many pressures as Khalil Mack this is crazy but you could also say that was the cause of death as well because the rest of the roster, three players in the NFL can never be as, as valuable as one non-quarterback. It just, just can't happen. And the rest of the roster, you started to see that as the years went on. The Khalil Mack could not be worth three players on that team. And maybe that's the cause of death. But I think it's all this trickle-down of personnel issues. 
that screwed it up for both sides in the end. Okay. We'll get to the Vikings in a minute. The NFL playoffs are here. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're kicking things off with a huge offer. As we count down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get, that's right, 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team's victorious. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, you can still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. You get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. It's promo code PFF this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're mocking my Bears autopsy. I'm not mocking it. I'm just, I don't think it's right. The team got worse. <sighs> Do we save the Vikings to the end? I feel like you can go for an hour on this. You can put it wherever you want. Cause of death. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Uh, cause of death. I mean, they just, just, they got stale. Isn't that what it is? Like, they're not bad. The Vikings aren't bad. They're middling, average, perpetually. And you have, like, in the problem is you take a, an above-average GM, an above-average head coach, and an above-average to maybe better than that quarterback. And in an ideal world, just being above-average at the three most important positions in the entire franchise would have some kind of compounding effect, and they would make each other better, and you'd be really good overall. But it didn't. It just created a slightly above-average team that is now locked into that because those three guys – are going to be there forever. So I think they just reached this point where it got stale and it needs to be refreshed. And by refreshed, I mean everyone needed to be fired. <laughs> there was a point where Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer was doing a great job on the defensive side of the ball. So as we talk about Flores, right, and, and a defensive coach, what can a defensive coach do to succeed here? Keep that side of the ball afloat. And I think for the most part, the Vikings did a good job. Last, what, three years? It got much worse. Last year was bad. This year started off bad, got a little bit better. But there was a point where they had one of the better defenses in the league. I'm not, I don't, this isn't exactly like the Bears situation, but the Vikings after 2017 and into 18, their nucleus and core was really, really good. But the NFL, it is, it is just challenging to maintain success in the free agent era and all that fun stuff. And I just don't think they properly replenished on that side of the ball. And then from a quarterbacking standpoint, they slowly tried They tried to make moves, right? Teddy Bridgewater. They went from Teddy Bridgewater to uh, desperation Sam Bradford for a year to Case Keenum, where they had the most success, ironically, because I think it just meshed with the roster. And then they made the power move for them, power move for Kirk Cousins. That was supposed to be, that was supposed to elevate them, and it didn't. And I think that's the most confusing part of the Vikings era because Cousins on paper is better than what they had at quarterback. Better than Teddy Bridgewater, better than Sam Bradford, better than Case Keenum. And they got a little bit better, I think. And that's it. I mean, they didn't get back to the NFC Championship, but that four years was was probably better than what they would have gotten out of any of those previous 
three in that particular situation. I mean, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, you can make the argument that the cause of death was Kirk Cousins. It would be very harsh on Kirk Cousins because he personally has. He's overachieved, I think, relative to what expectations could or should have been given what we knew about him from his career before Minnesota. Washington Kirk Cousins has been dramatically outperformed by Minnesota Kirk Cousins. Um, So from one point of view, you look at it and say, whatever they expected him to be, he's probably been better than that. And yet it still wasn't enough. Like that, I think, is the point, is that they committed this, this money to him. They did it in such a way that it was going to be stressing the whole the, the salary cap all the way, you know, these fully guaranteed deals short term so that you sort of locked yourself into this cycle of them and keep re-upping him. And he's good. In fact, he's been very good, but he's not transcendent and he's not elevating everybody around him to the point where it doesn't matter that you're no longer able to maintain the kind of roster that you had around him. And they've been unlucky in that time as well, right? Like, Donnell Hunter has barely played the last couple of years. He's arguably their best defender. Um, they've had these these losses and injuries and things like that that have, that have definitely impacted them. But, you know, other teams have as well. The point being, Kirk Cousins might be great, but he's now becoming sort of emblematic of the contract you can't take on board, right? It's okay if you have... Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or a guy that can, like, carry the whole thing, you can pay him monster money. But if you don't have that guy, it almost doesn't matter how good the dude is. You can't pay him that kind of cash. And Kirk Cousins is, like, that dude. He's the – maybe he's the new Matt Ryan inflection point. Like, he's the guy where you can't can't hand the contract that he has to a player like that. It has to go to the Josh Allens or the Mahomes or the Aaron Rodgers of the world – and if you do give it to a Kirk Cousins, it almost seals your fate at that point because you just don't have the flexibility to maintain the kind of roster around him that he needs. I would also say uh, the Matt Ryan inflection point's a tough one too because me at PFF, Mr. You know, quantify everything in numbers, I, how much of the unquantifiable with Cousins is legit and is an issue? And we've talked about this a lot through the years and stuff, right? changing the way you play the game down the stretch in a game the brady and brady's and mannings of the world would always do that uh trusting uh, even though cousins has gotten better in all these things i think leading a fourth quarter comeback playing to the score whatever it is but uh, with matt ryan like matt ryan's first season he had these clutch walk-off moments even when he wasn't playing his best football he had that um, and even, say, a Matthew Stafford, right? I saw a, a fair question posed the other day. Would you rather have a Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, or a couple other names? And it's tough for me not to say Matthew Stafford, even with Kirk Cousins grading higher than Stafford over the last couple of years. Because I still, maybe I'm buying into the moments and what a guy's capable of, but I still feel better about Matthew Stafford leading that fourth quarter comeback and carrying my team than I do a Kirk Cousins. Or at least being aggressive enough that I can hit this high-end potential that maybe Cousins doesn't bring to the table. Um, and and I, it's, really, it's tough to articulate. I'm struggling to articulate it right now uh, because I, I think it's more than he's, he's averaging $33 million per year um, because I think he's, better, he's played better than the other guys that are making that kind of money, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Like Cousins has played better ball than both of those guys when, other than Wentz's you know, it, it's, it's fluctuated a little bit, but over the course of time, Cousins has been better than those two guys. There were moments where Goff looked better. There were moments where Wentz looked better. Cousins looks better than those guys, but not as good as the guys like Dak, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, 
the other guys making that cut. Matt Ryan, generally. But Matt Ryan's down at this point where I don't want to pay him that money. It's just tough to articulate. I think it's more than just here's over $30 million per year for the quarterback. We're hamstrung everywhere else. It's here's this $30 million. You're a good player, but there's not great in there. And that's a challenge. Yeah, he doesn't have... You know, everyone always talks about the intangibles and the leadership and the it factor, whatever that is, and all the things you can't really quantify. Whatever they are, he doesn't have them, right? The, the funny thing is— and It's just—it's universally accepted. Yeah. Like, the media doesn't really like him. His own teammates don't come out and rally, you know, in his defense ever. Like, it's not—he's not a guy that inspires people. He doesn't but inspire. It like it, the funny thing is, coming out of Michigan State, he had some of those like speeches, like because when, when you hear a college kid make a, a good speech, you're like, oh, this kid's got a bright future. This kid's good. And if you look at it at a high level and say, here's a fourth round pick that sure. turned into Kirk Cousins, that's really Huge incredible. Success. And he's again, he's a good player. But the point is, the NFL has now become this world where you need great or you need cheap, right? Yeah. The middle ground is useless to you. So that's where the Vikings have been. They've been locked in this purgatory where they don't have great and they don't have cheap. So they're just stuck. There's just and they're stuck in the middle. That's the problem with that is it's worse than being bad, right? At least being bad gives you an opportunity to hit the reset button and find good or cheap again. Being when you sign up to a guy that's neither, that is locked in that middle of, okay, he's good and expensive. Now, not only are you not, not only have you missed out on great or cheap, but you are locked in a world of like perpetual average where you can't get at either one of those things, right? You're, it's very difficult to go from where they are right now to either great or cheap, right? You either need to ha- like strike absurdly lucky in the draft, right? Like Kellen Mond randomly becomes an all pro, right? You'd have to get spectacularly lucky like that. Or you need to do what they're doing, which is like, let's blow the hell out of the whole thing. Let's detonate this thing. Let's take a crappy year and let's, Let's reset that way. So I think that is the mistake is a guy like Kirk Cousins is a really good player. Very, very good. But that's no longer what you're looking for in the NFL. Like you're actually, you're, I mean, I don't, you can't say you're better off being bad at quarterback, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. being bad puts you on the path to being great in a way that being good doesn't. Like being good, you essentially, you need to ride being good for long enough that you can get spectacularly lucky. Being bad, at least you get a chance to just, bam, let's, let's roll and try and get great again. No, nope, didn't work. Bam, let's try it again. You know what I mean? You're on this really quick sort of two-year cycle of let's take a shot at being great. And that's the thing you need to get to. The Vikings' problem is they, they sign Kirk Cousins. He's been really good. And that just doesn't do you anything anymore. So final cause of death? I, I think it's too harsh to say it's Kirk Cousins. I think they just, everything just got stale. Like, same as the Bears, I think. I, they, did, they did not. But I don't think they lost their the way. Roster. Like, Zimmer was still doing Zimmer things. Like, that defense on third down was still nasty. They just didn't have the talent. Uh, Spielman was still making some good calls, right? They, they draft Justin Jefferson. Like, they flipped uh, Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson and got cheaper. That's an incredibly good But move. that's another thing that doesn't make sense. That should almost, that should all, uh, Cousins to Justin Jefferson, Jefferson should almost be right. enough for 10 wins. Sure. Um, the Christian Darasol move looks like it's, like it's working out. Like, they've made a lot of good moves. Again, they're just, it just got stale. They didn't get enough good ones. So, Rick Spielman's still doing some good things. Mike Zimmer still doing some good things. Kirk Cousins, really good things. Just together, it wasn't getting better, and it was just stuck. So they just it just got stale. 
cause of death, like terminal staleness, whatever that is, like stagnation. Stagnation is the, the cause of death. They stagnated, their heart stopped, and they, and they had to, it came over, body bag. The, the two other firings to discuss, Denver Broncos and Vic What's your cause of death? I was agreeing with you. Stagnation? Stagnation. You can't take mine. Um, is it cheating? If, I really think it's a lot of the same as the Bears. They, so the, I, I always compare the Vikings to the 2010 or 11 49ers where they had this really good defense, this unbelievable starting 11. And ironically, that 49ers team didn't even use they, – they only subbed like two players in the whole game. It was just a top-heavy defense. I thought the Vikings were top-heavy in 2017. And, yeah, Zimmer's done some pretty good stuff over the last couple of years, but they were, they were elite back then, even though they got torched by Nick Foles. They were unable to get that back on track. So I would say it's a combination of roster again – just just fell off over the last couple of years. And whether that's Kirk Cousins' fault, money-wise or not, you also had, then you had a quarterback that just can't drag a team to incredible success. So combination of the roster, roster management and Kirk Cousins not being able to overcome things. Is that okay. all right? Is that fair? Sure. The, the other two firings were the Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer's cause of death. Well, that should be easy. Urban Meyer. <laughs> which, which particular urban incident was the cause of death? Let's list the top 15. Uh, let, let's go to the Broncos. It's got to be the grinding photo, right? Like, it's just dead on arrival from that point on. There's no way back. It wasn't kicking the kicker. No, God, no. Although that, did, that was the straw that broke the camel's that back. That was legitimately the cause of death. A story yeah, from like, August. That, that was actually the straw that broke the camel's back. I think it was his uh, heart problems. Definitely hard problems. Look, it's a health issue. I think it was his inability to, you know, go down seven to nothing in a preseason game in week two that uh, was the cause of death. His inability to just understand or handle the NFL. That was Urban Meyer's Start cause to of finish, death. yeah. I mean, yeah, he just, everything he did, everything he did, eventually it, it reached the point where the straw broke the camel's back and out he goes. But Someone should send him his leadership book. Yeah, this was a, good this was there. a building thing from... Basically, day one. Like, he lasted, what, 20 days or something before he hired the racist strength coach and had to fire him before he took his own job? Like, from that moment on, it was just building. Like, thing, you know, thing after thing after thing. <laughs> Put that one in the bad pile for Urban, and the pile was just getting higher and higher and higher. Cause and eventually tried to kick his own kicker, and it's like, all right, just get rid of him. Everything. Everything. But don't forget the timeline. He kicked his own kicker before the lap dance, even though the story came out yes. later. Right. The fact that that became public was what broke the camel's back, not the fact that he did it. Lack of development from the number one overall pick. Lack of hope from the number one overall pick. Until week 18. Until week 18. Yeah. He's ready. The Sam Darnold. Finish strong. The Geno Smith. Just need the final game. Hope in the last week. If Geno Smith is Mr. Week 17, Trevor Lawrence can be week, Mr. Week 18. Mm. Yeah. That's his, that's his thing. Uh, Denver Broncos and Vic Fangio. Uh, the official cause of death per the Broncos, they had an ultimatum to make the playoffs. They did not. They finished at seven and ten, but what went wrong here? Ooh, hang on, who gave the ultimatum? That was supposedly what Fangio was, but issued by whom? From the top. What is the from? Whether it was ownership Payton? or George Payton, I don't know. Ownership's like getting out. How? Why, who are they giving an ultimatum? I have no idea. But they're what, like bouncing, unless they're what, trying to like prop up the stock. That's price. what the story is. But this is another one of those situations where they brought in a new GM and George Payton last year. 
Vic, anytime that you, you've got a coach that's already there, it feels like a lame duck season anyway. So it could just be, you know, regime change. I mean, to me, the cause of death is there's no quarterback there, and they never got one. Yes. Like, their cause of death is they never had a chance because the single most important position on the team was staffed by Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, and that's just not going to get it done. Teddy Bridgewater played probably, again, like kind of similar to Kirk Cousins, played, I would say, better than you could expect Teddy Bridgewater to have played, and it still wasn't enough. Like, that's their issue. And where that gets really interesting is from the outside, it's very difficult to know how much of that is on Vic Fangio, right? This is a defensive-minded head coach, but he probably had a say in personnel. Like, people have said that he was, he was all on board their decision to draft Patrick Sertan. On the other hand, he's unlikely to come out afterwards and say, what kind of bullshit is this? I wanted the quarterback. You know what I mean? So, who knows? Um, but if, like, if the job of the GM is to acquire talent and you as a defensive-minded head coach has a really good defense for multiple years but no quarterback, it feels very harsh to say, well, you didn't make the playoffs in a division with Kansas City and Justin Herbert and, you know, so see ya. I just, that feels like he's getting hosed. Well, the ironic thing here, too, is that the defense just did not, did not grade well this year. We're not nearly as effective this year as they had been. Particularly when we came into the season, they broke our narrative a little bit, right? This was supposed to be this really, really good roster with a Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, where if you threw Aaron Rodgers into the mix, they'd be fine. But the defense was not nearly as good as they should have been. Now, look, they had ridiculous injuries. They were rolling, like, seventh-string linebackers out there and everything. You know, they also so they, like, traded away Von Miller, who was their only pass rusher. They right? traded away Von Miller. I get it, um, which was a good forward-looking move at that point in the season, right? There were other teams going for it when they weren't that good. They were a team that was looking to the future. That was fine. But it's not like this defense dominated. So the defense... Vic Fangio's thing gets a little bit worse through the years. Um, the offense did some nice things this year, but it it definitely comes down to the quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, even if they had drafted Justin Fields rather than Patrick Sertan and had that hope, um, I don't know if that's enough to save Fangio's job because Fields probably wouldn't have played well enough this year to say, oh, look, Fangio needs to be the guy that develops this guy. I just, look, I'm not, I don't want to be too on the I stand with Vic Fangio side because look he made some bad in-game decisions um, like you know even at the last game we're kicking a field goal to make it a one-score game versus a one-score game like what are we even doing here um, but on the I just I don't think he it's fair to him to be like well effectively he never had a chance without a quarterback in this in this league you have no shot no, almost no matter how good everything else is and as everything else might be good enough to be a Super Bowl team with an Aaron Rodgers but it's not good enough to like overcome Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback. So if you're not going to give the guy a quarterback, how can you possibly expect him to make the postseason in this murderer's row of a division with two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and, and Derek Carr, who's not far off that pace? Like, what? Like, what were the expectations to be a, to just to just come out at the uh, at the end of it and be like, well, he didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> All right, whose fault is that? It's probably not his. But it's probably fair to also ask, just like people are asking about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's getting head coaching interviews, right? Uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator. Got, got himself back on track. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Dan Quinn. Uh, even as our friend, is it fair to question <laughs> if Dan Quinn... Was a friend of the show. Or Vic right. Fangio 
might just be better as, as defensive coordinators. Look, I, I think Vic Fangio may well be better as a defensive coordinator. I think Mike Zimmer may well be better as a defensive coordinator. Zimmer, too. I mean, they're All of these guys. coveted, by the way. On the other hand, I think you're screwing the guy if, you, if throughout his head coaching tenure, the dude responsible for acquiring personnel never gave him a quarterback. Oh, I agree. Like, what chance that's, does he have? That's the cause of death. Yes. If, if they have better... And Bridgewater played fine. I mean, he played well, but he got hurt and all that stuff. Bridgewater played pretty well this year. But then you have a game like against Kansas City where the defense did play well on Sunday Night Football and the offense couldn't do a thing. It was just a disconnect. They were never, they were never dangerous because of the quarterback situation. That is the cause of death. Yeah. That is it. And I don't think that's on Vic Fangio. Unless the only way I think you can place the blame on him is if – he was part of the decision-making process at draft time, and the, dis- the discussion went something like this, right? Okay, Vic, we can take a cornerback, a number eight, or we can grab a, a guy like Justin Fields, and he's your quarterback going forward. And maybe even that buys you an extra year, but that's, that's your option, right? Do you want the quarterback or the cornerback? And it was Vic going, oh, give me the DB. I'm a defensive guy. I want defense. Let's go. If that was how it went down, fine. The dude made the wrong call, and he gets to live with the decision. But if that was a decision made, like, outside of his control, and he just endorsed it because that's what you do as a good team player, as a company man, yeah, I was all on board with Patrick Sertan. He's a great player. I don't want a quarterback. Um, Then, like, if that's how it went down, then the guy never, literally never had a chance to succeed, and he's carrying the can for it. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, no matter how you get there, it's the quarterback situation, whether it's Vic's yeah. fault or not. Yes. Or the front offices. Uh, any other? We cover the Jags. They're, they're covered. Yes. It's Urban. Yeah, any other Urban. firings? Urban's the other fault. open job is the Raiders. Um, so we already know what. The cause of death is pretty obvious there. We already know. It was, uh, it was email form. Leaked yes. emails. For, uh, for John Gruden. Um, so, yeah, we'll have plenty more as, as coaching candidates and GM candidates uh, get hired. I hate this time of the season when it's like, man, like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are just copying and pasting texts from why, agents. Why is the water carrying getting more intense? Like, it used to be where they obviously they just copied and pasted the text anyway, but the text didn't editorialize, right? It was just like, dude, Torres ACL confirmed out for six to nine months. Now it's like, Doctors expect that when he comes back, he'll actually run a 4-1 and be able to see through things and fly. <laughs> like, what? what? Just, it's, just give the information. Like, it's why ridiculous. Are we... And it's getting worse. Like, it's, it's almost like the agents have, like, a pool. Let's see. What's the most ridiculous thing you can get Rappaport and Schefter to just put out there? Like, just put it in the text and see if they'll, see if they'll send I it right I just think in. it's because the agency world, the agent world is so cutthroat that they would... But those withhold. guys are journalists. Like, it's, you, it's, it's on you as journalistic integrity to, like, cut that part of the text. Yeah, but if you do, then the other guy gets it next time. The three seconds it takes you to cut out the last eight words of the text. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, it's, a, I'm not saying it's a time issue. I'm saying it's a— You're saying if you cut out the guy's bullshit, he a, won't send you the text a, anymore? Appeal to the agent. God, that's Yes, they're, they're, I don't think it's a time thing, Sam. I'm saying they're copying and pasting a text— that the agent has editorialized, and they're keeping the editorial in there to keep the agents happy. Yes, so yeah, that they so that a, they get the next scoop. Not because it's quicker. That's obnoxious. Yeah, it is, because you don't need to tell me that this bad special teams player is a special teams ace, or that this guy's been working really hard and whatever. Yeah, it's bad. 
It's it's anyway, it's, it's, it's getting worse. It's like the whole world is going this way, right? It isn't just you know Schefter and Rappaport, but like it, soccer coverage is. Le- it used to be you got to be impartial, right? You got to. It doesn't matter who you who you used to play for. The teams out there are just two generic teams, and you're just analysts. You're a pundit. You are impartial. You have no rooting interest. Just go with it. Now they like throw out all the people that used to play for that game and they're like recording them celebrating at halftime and stuff, right? Like they're leaning in to the biases because they think that like the passion that that creates is better television. So they're actually leaning into all of the anti-journalistic standards, like all the things you're supposed to do to hell with that, like celebrating the press box. Who cares? Let's go with it. I don't like it. I don't hate it, but that's the way the world is. We're not journalists at all, but we're certainly unbiased analyst. I'm certainly more impartial than that. Presented as such. Can I read you an email now? Uh, Yeah. This one in, god damn it, I should have checked this name. Drake Frere, I'm going to go with. F-R-A-R-E. Frere. Could be anything. Drake Ramore. Drake Ramore. Uh, Would Austin or uh, Renner know that reference? No, not a chance. Uh, All right. The Red Rock Amphitheater is a 10,000-capacity open amphitheater built into the Red Rocks just outside Denver, Colorado. It's become quite famous over time as the natural beauty of the rock formations and the view of the Denver skyline make it an extremely unique... Can't do that. Can't modify unique. It's bad. No, you can't. Renner would hate that. Uh, venue for live events. This venue was so incredible that after Polster Magazine awarded it as best small outdoor venue for the 11th time in 1999, they simply changed the name of the award to the Red Rocks Award and decided that the Red Rock Amphitheater wasn't allowed to be considered anymore. It was just too good of a venue. Aaron Donald is clearly the Defensive Player of the Year for 2021, as he was in 2020 and 19, and so on and so forth. Because it's no fun to just pick the same guy over and over, even if he deserves the award, the simple solution to this seems to be to rename Defensive Player of the Year to the Aaron Donald Award and disqualify him from any future consideration. This would allow for other new players to win the award, while also not sliding a deserving Donald. Uh, in addition, Steelers fans would stop flooding the mentions with every PFF-related account on Twitter with Watt-related comments. Thanks for reading, uh, and hope to hear a punter or special teams-heavy episode one of these days. We'll We've some... had a couple of those requests. It could all be from... It's probably the same guy, yeah. From Drake. Uh, I like that as an idea, though. Like That would save us a lot of... Rather than, like, rather than allow voter fatigue to essentially warp the award and stop giving it to Donald, who deserves it... Let's just rename it in his honor and assume that every year he deserves it and then be able to give it to other people. We should. Yeah, so then we can give T.J. Watt the Aaron Donald Defensive Player of the Year award. That's what I'm saying. Now we're now Steelers fans can be happy. I think there is a genuine argument that Aaron Donald should have won five straight Defensive Player of the Years and be on the way to his sixth. So you mentioned this on either the Daily or you know, we were talking about it, about how, how that changes perception, right? So you go into those Hall of Fame. Yeah meetings and in the hall of fame meeting somebody's like well this guy was first team all pro this many times and it's like you guys were the ones you are the data point that you're now using as a data point you created the data point i mean we do this too our grading creates a data point that we then use there's already a debate about like who's better you know lawrence taylor aaron donald reggie white like he's in that kind of stratosphere already but if you gave, and this is this could well be the case for Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White as well, by the way. Like, for all I know, those True. guys should have won six straight defensive player of the year. I bet Reggie would have right. been Donald-like so in our grade. The point is, we, but, but if, you gave, if Donald was working on six straight 
he would already be declared and it wouldn't be an argument. It would be settled. He is the greatest to ever do it. Like he is the best player, the best defense player the game has ever seen. I don't give a credit. Don't come at me with Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White and these losers. I don't see them having six straight defensive player of the year. Like it would be done. Yeah. But because he isn't, he's working on three. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's great. But, you know, Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White, like it, it completely changes the whole perception on the guy without him changing at all. Just by recognizing him as the better player in each season where he didn't get given the award, which he probably was. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be So I like this idea. Let's do that. We can just do that. Uh, PFF Awards, I believe, are going to be going live tonight, announcing all of them here on YouTube. And uh, I don't know if people saw, but we're doing a little uh, trivia matchup with our tailgate friends here. Trivia battle to the death. I Uh, want... uh, So here's what we need. Uh, Austin from tailgate tweeted out like hey send us some trivia questions we did as well um yeah we did too but we did it wrong like we need people to email us the questions so that they can't see them because we're going to ask questions to them. that bridge has already been crossed (sighs) email us anyway if you have great trivia questions that we can ask them football or non-football related and how much non-football would you want to hear about this because uh dr drake remore would be a great trivia question for the youngins over there i think renner might catch that but austin is you know hasn't well, look, watched many TV shows or movies through the years, and I feel like we can stump him on. Some let's stuff. put our cards in the, on the table, right? We are doing this trivia. We, we there's a lot of people listen to our podcast. There's a lot of people that listen to Tailgate and watch Tailgate on YouTube. And one of the constant themes is you know the personalities. People like us for some god known reason. No right? idea why. I don't like us, let alone other people. Yep. Don't but, like each other. Do. Don't like us. For some reason, people <laughs> like us, and people like Austin and Renner. So we're like, well. Let's lean into that, right? Let's play up the idea of personalities and humanizing them. And let's take the podcasts and put them in a slightly different environment and see if people like that as well. So we're going to do trivia, our podcast versus their podcast. But to me, you get way more interesting and entertaining stuff asking any kind of trivia, not just like random obscure football data points or PFF data points, but like Austin was born like seven minutes ago, so let's ask him about a bunch of movies that were in the 1980s that he's not seen, right? Because, like, God knows Austin hasn't seen things like The Godfather or But is that just completely unfair? No, because they can do it to us as well. That's what I'm saying. Like, we give give Austin questions about movies he's never seen because they existed, like, in the 1990s where he doesn't... And they give us questions about, like... famous TikTokers or something. Yeah, or, like, you know, Taylor Swift or whatever. Sure. So I think... That's way funnier than like name the player that finished at the top of the defensive player of the year standings in 1998. But that might be entertaining, too. We'll see. Right. But anyway, my point is I'm laying my cards on the table. I think it's better to have more non-football stuff. Yeah. So if you do as well and you're listening, hashtag let us know. Right. Either email us in NFL podcast at PFF dot com. Do a poll. Do or a poll tweet it. the main account. Tweet it um, at uh, NFL, PFF NFL Pod or at PFF underscore Sam or Steve. Let us know if you want to hear like random obscure trivia things and give us questions, or if you do want the straight laced, boring ass football discussion <laughs> that I want no you're part of. You're not twisting it at all. I, no, I'm not even trying. I'm not even hiding it. I want you, as our listeners, to help me warp this discussion in my direction. Tell the people you want all non-football. That's questions. what I'm saying. I Renner's want, idea was actually, I, I think, the not hybrid. Only, not only do I want non-football questions, I want you to tell us that you want non-football questions. I want you to amplify my objection 
to the way this is headed at the moment. Could you also please, um, I liked Renner's idea here, which is a bit of a hybrid where maybe you could come up with your own category. So he was like, oh, Steve's could be like 80s wrestling. Hmm. So I at least know like where my category subject, is. Mastermind. Right. This is my specialty. And then they can somehow pull questions off that. What would your specialty be? I so Josh, Irish rugby. No, no. See, my I have, a very, mine, really. I have a very bad memory for things that I haven't seen like a million I times. See. Right, so it needs to be something that I've seen a million times. Josh Norris asked me on his podcast, and same thing. It's like, what is your specialist subject? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad at this stuff. When it's like, you know, the questions that are asked to you with zero time to think about it. It's just like, uh. so he asked me what my specialist subject was, and I said the Naked Gun movies. Right, because I'm oh, pretty sure right, I know yeah, them yeah. quite well. Yeah. And uh, he'd never seen any of them. So he had to watch the Naked Gun movies to be able to ask me questions about them. And A, it was hilarious because he hated them. And then B, you know, I actually did know quite a lot about them. That's so I think that's, dedication. That's, that's hours of dedication just to have you on his podcast? Yeah, I'd stick with that. Good I think I'd stick with the Naked Gun movies. I would say uh, 80s, 90s wrestling. Uh, Wade, See, I think that's too broad, though. Like Wade Boggs, 1980 batting averages. <laughs> Mastermind has a similar problem, right? Saved by go, the Bell trivia. If you go too broad, they can pull any old thing out of it, and you're just screwed. You need something, like, really laser-focused. Saved by the Bell. I may have lost a lot of my Saved by the Bell knowledge, but I, I'd be impressed if you still had that now. I've got some. I, um, I mean, not, not in a good way, but, like. I once played Saved by the Bell trivia with Mr. Belding. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Why the two thousand nine <laughs> the two thousand nine Fresno Grizzlies we had of course, a special Grizzlies. night uh, Mad Tight nineties night and what we called it Mad Tight nineties night yeah back so we when wore like, some nineties throwback oh. jerseys was this Mr Belding was our special guest at this particular night there's a picture of me Mr Belding in the uh, in the locker room back the then. tight spelled tight in this in this scenario. Just regular. Regular. Okay, regular yeah. tight. So not it wasn't like, like back when tight was a way of saying, like a, a slang term for, you no. know, cool. It's not like a defensive T-I-T-E. front. T-I-T-E. Yeah, it's not the defensive front tight. Yeah. It's just mad tight. Ah, oh, it's mad tight uh, 90s. <laughs> mad tight 90s night. Mr. Belding was our special guest. <laughs> I'm a reliever, so I don't have to be out in the bullpen until the third, fourth, fifth inning. So I'm just hanging out in the Does dugout. during a game? Well, he did a lot of pregame festivities, but he would be like in between innings doing stuff with the crowd or whatever. So he's hanging out in our dugout, and we're like, we're doing. Uh... He stumps me. I forget what the question was, but he stumps me and saved by the bell trivia. I yeah. thought he'd, you know, but he was he was in it. He was into playing. He must have hated that night. It must Who? have been like the worst night of his life. Him? Yeah. That's like his life. He probably made 5000 bucks to you know, like, like show up and be Mr. Belding. Right. But you know, like the Rolling Stones go out there and no one wants to hear anything that, like, they want. I want your seven most famous songs played sequentially for the millionth time you've done that this year. Those guys must want to kill themselves every time they're doing a show. Mr. Bell, you're telling me that that guy, the one thing he wants to do of an evening is do Save by the Bell trivia. He was kind of into it. He was, he was into his whole, his whole role, his gimmick. He didn't get too many other shots at other roles after that's, Mr. Belding. That's he's, what I'm saying. Mr. Belding. Right. So that guy the for the rest class, of his life. In the new, new class. Like, he's Mr. Belding. That's what he is. He owned it. He in, wasn't uh, there in the college one, though, right? Whatever he that one was called. He didn't do the, col- the college years. That was called. He the did college not. years? Golick. One of the Golicks was there. Bob Golick was in it. Huh. The college years. Okay. There's a trivia question for you. Which you, Golick? You could have used that one. Which Golick was in Saved by the Bell College Years? All right. Anymore. It's out there. Show's over. Uh, by the way, tomorrow we're going to – I mentioned we put draft season in the title. We didn't get to our draft season stuff. We'll touch on draft season a little bit tomorrow. It's draft season. 
season and we'll uh, kick things off tomorrow but tomorrow we will preview all of the wild card games we got six of them that'll take three to four hours and then we'll get into some draft stuff for all the non-playoff teams as well perfect sound good don't forget promo code nfl pod to get 25 percent off right now pff.com every subscription 25 percent off using just our promo code nfl pod so email sam nfl podcast at pff.com tell us you know it's podcast what is it again nfl podcast singular at pff.com I'm, I'm confusing that now with the uh with the twitter account yeah um, so email Sam and tell him how much you love non-football questions for trivia, yes. as well as adding trivia questions for us for the show that we'll be, you'll be seeing soon. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow on our wildcard weekend preview. Super wildcard weekend. Super, super wild.